0: Dominic Dominic T- T- T3 highly on the track. It takes us high. Highly contested it's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats. At like waiting. are all takes us high. Highly contested it's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats.
1: I like waiting. all. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George today. George, how you doing today, man?
0: Doing pretty good, man. Uh, you know, getting ready for the weekend. Not too much going planned, but, you know, here another highly contested episode. Ready to get this kicked off with you, man. How are you doing?
1: Doing pretty good, man. Just got some Dame Sevens, Light Strikes. Those are pretty lit, man. I know you saw them. I sent a snap to you, so.
0: Oh, yeah. It looks super clean, man.
1: Yeah, I know. I thought so, too. The box is pretty awesome, too. Dame Dame knows how to make a box of shoes. Let's, let's just say that. <laughs> I know his shoes are great, too, but let's, let's just say that. Dame knows how to make a box of shoes, all right? Okay, some of today's featured topics include, is James Harden helping or hurting his chances of getting traded by waiting as long as you did to report to training camp. Next question, is Jalen Hurts the long-term solution for the Eagles? And how impressive were George's Buffalo Bills in their win against the San Francisco 49ers? <laughs> Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. We're going to start with the NBA. Group activities have started in training camp for teams all across the NBA. In Houston, James Harden waited until Tuesday morning to report to Rockets training camp. Harden has openly expressed his interest in being traded to a different team. So, George, did James Harden help or hurt his chances of getting traded when he waited as long as he did to report to training camp?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say that it's not going to help his chances of getting traded to a team that he would prefer. Because to me, when, when I see him, you know, not reporting and he's going to, you know, these parties, you know, especially during the pandemic, you know, to me, like if I'm an organization or GM or, you know, whoever's making these decisions for teams, you know, to me, that that's a big negative. That's a big red, red flag. If you're not going to, you know, do your contractual duties, show up. And then not just that, but, you know, like I said, it's a pandemic and you're out there, you know, going to a party, possibly putting people at risk that you may come in contact to. And, you know,
1: it's, it's unprofessional in a sense.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I get that he wants to get out and, you know, we see people all the time, you know, they don't report or they report late, you know, and they're trying to send their message. I get that. But usually when players do that, they don't go to the teams that they wanted. You know, the list that you make, they'll ship you off somewhere else. So with that being said, you know, I think he still might get traded. You know, I, I still think that's a chance. But I don't think, you know, if he's trying to go to the Nets, and I, I know I think he uh, updated his list. I think he put the 76ers in there as well. So I uh, I think this hurts his chances going to a team that he wants to go to because those teams are probably looking at it like, okay, you know, you're not reporting. You're out there going to parties, not taking this serious. And you know, we don't want to trade for you. And then you're not taking it serious. And with the pandemic going on, what what are your thoughts, Drew? Do you think his message is getting across that that'll help him get traded or not get traded?
1: Honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, I'm going to answer this question in you know two different senses because I believe it. I believe it helped his chances of getting traded but it hurt his chances of getting traded to a team that he wants to be traded to. So when you think of, you know, when you think of like, okay, you know, I've got the, you know, when you think of a, like a worker, okay. That, you know, tells his boss, I've got a list of, you know, I got a list of places that, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to work at, like maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a different, maybe it's a different branch or a different, you know, different, type of worker, you know, like, like where he would be doing a different trade entirely, you know, maybe it's for the same company still, but maybe it's just a different trade entirely that you saw, you know, and he's saying, Hey, you know, I want to do this. And the company is, the company can pretty much say, well, you know what? If you don't want to keep doing what you're doing, we don't have to keep you there, but that doesn't guarantee that you're going to go wherever you want. And I think that's pretty much what's going on here. And, If he was being more professional about it, I believe that the Houston Rockets would definitely be, you know, more inclined, more willing to give this man what he wants, considering that, you know, James Harden has made this team a playoff team for many years. I mean, they've always been a playoff team ever since he's been on the team. So I think that moving forward, I think that that's, that's something that they're going to have to take into consideration. Like this guy is being a little unprofessional about it. I know that he's done a lot for us, but he's not doing exactly, you know, he's not doing exactly what should be done for someone who, you know, wants something, you know, like when you want something, you don't just say, you know, you don't just say, I want something and then you don't act in the best interest of the person you're wanting that thing from. So in my honest opinion, I think he's not going about it the right way, which is gonna result in him getting traded, but not to a team that he wants.
0: Yeah, so uh I agree with you. And you know, I think this why it also doesn't help him is because any team that might be interested, you know, this kind of took leverage away from the Rockets who, you know, if you're gonna get traded, they're the ones making the decision. So there's gonna be other teams now that maybe try to lowball them or give them a lower value trade. And if the market's not too high because of his actions, well, you know, you you kind of slim down your chances. And like we both said, at least to go to a team that you would like to go to. You know, there might be another team that's a little more desperate that's willing to, but you might be going to a worse situation.
1: I, I agree. The ball is definitely in the court of other teams that Come in contact with the Houston Rockets, but now I'm going to ask you a question, George. If you're the Houston Rockets, do you still try to get a deal right away and pull the trigger, or do you just are you just super patient, waiting for you know waiting to see if you can get pretty much what you want from this?
0: Yeah, we, we've talked about this before, and I'm going to stay to what I've said before, which is basically I'm not trading him, you know, for like pennies on the dollar, and I'm not going to rush into a trade especially a bad trade so they still have them under contract for two years so they got time and they still have at least until the trade deadline to make a deal and when i look at what some of these other teams have given up for like anthony davis even drew holiday they gave up quite a bit to get him you know that that's at least the starting point that i'm asking for or like it's like we've said and there's been mentions of like the 76ers, especially with uh Daryl Morey over there now, and his connection with James Harden. So if I'm making a trade with um with the 76ers, you know, Ben Simmons better be in that deal that I'm getting back if I'm the Rockets. So I'm not rushing into any bad trade. And like I said, they gone for two years, so they're in no rush. And you know, I, I figured James Harden was gonna report because. It's a little different than the NFL. So in the NFL, you know, you you can hold out and then you become a free agent after that holdout year that you did. That's not how it works in the NBA. So if, for example, let's just say James Harden held out this whole season and he came back next season. He would still have those two years on his contract. It wouldn't be one year. So I figured he was going to come back, but yeah, I'm not rushing into a bad trade. What would you do, Drew?
1: Well, you know, and it makes me think of it makes me think of something too. You know, you you it's funny that you mentioned Drew Holiday because one of the most underrated things that I always take into consideration when it comes to like the value of a player is uh well it's actually you know, it's actually two different things, but they kind of all they kind of both coincide together. Uh the first thing is, you know, just leadership, right? Uh we we've We've seen that Harden is a great player. All right, we know that he is a great player. His stats show that he's a great player. But has he been, you know, has he been one of the better leaders in the NBA? That has always been a question mark to me. I don't think he's been. I don't think he's been a great leader and a great like role model for his for his team. So that's something that I take into consideration when you look at a player like Drew Holiday, for example. Drew Holiday has definitely displayed the um, what 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 I would call the uh, the intangibles of a leader and of, of a role model for, for a team and for an organization. So I take that some, I take that very seriously. And I also take, you know, just overall off the field behavior, you know what I mean? Or off the court behavior in this case. So right now, James Harden isn't displaying great off the court behavior and he's not displaying any, uh, any. In my opinion, I mean, you might have a different opinion than me, but he's never really displayed off the field leadership. I mean, sorry, on, sorry, on the court leadership. What do you, what are your thoughts on that, George? Do you think he's displayed on the court leadership?
0: Yeah. So to you know, kind of go on those two points where you made you know leadership and role model. I don't think being the role model has been the issue, but I think leadership has been because we've seen we've seen him not be able to mesh with some other leaders. In the NBA, you know, Chris Paul, you know, you could say whatever you want about him. I know you're not the biggest CP3 fan, Drew, but when it comes to at least the leadership, he has that, you know, and we saw that they weren't able to you really connect and CP3 had to get out of there. And then even with uh, Russell, which I'm sure not everyone will take that, you know, to heart because, you know, a lot of people also question Russell Westbrook's leadership. So, but that that is one thing because when you look at them and they're, you know, they've had some success in the playoffs, but they've definitely underachieved a couple seasons, and that does come down to leadership and being accountable. But you know, as far as role model, I know he he has done a lot for the city of Houston, so I'm not gonna say he hasn't been a good role model. But as far as leadership, I think that has been in question before, and you know, all all these actions that he's doing right now, you know. Teams are looking at that and they're seeing, okay, well, if your leadership skills aren't questioned and you're doing X, Y and Z, well, we don't want to, you know, push all of our assets out to go get you. We're going to put out a couple assets, see if we could get you, but we're not going to, you know, give up our entire future for someone that maybe isn't the best leader out there.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, a great point because and that's exactly where I was kind of trying to lead to was. I, I think that those things those things are very underrated when considering the value of a player because those are the things that in you know like when you talk about leadership and when you talk about like role model and we talk about off the court behavior those are the things that as an organ yeah of course the stats are great you know obviously you want a player who's got great stats but i mean you know do you want you know do you want to do you want a top five player that is going to give you off the field or off the court issues and is not as good of a leader as he should be considering he's a top five player? I mean, if I'm a team and if I'm looking at that, if I'm, if that's, if that's what I'm trading for, well then, you know, I understand the stats are there. He's, you know, he's clearly a top five player in the league, but I'm not, ready to pull the trigger on a deal that warrants a top five player in the league considering that.
0: Yeah. And then too, like when we talk about leadership, at least on the court, you know, to me, and, and this is, you know, I think what happens when, and and this goes in maybe any profession or any part of life, you know, when you see so much success in one thing, you, you're you not going to change, you know, you're going to be stuck in your ways. So we saw James Harden, you know, when he came from OKC, he was their, their sixth man. You know, he goes to Houston and, you know, he's averaging over 30 points, multiple seasons. He's, you know, people are saying he might be one of the best scorers of all time. He's got the most unstoppable, you know, step back and, you know, this and that. And when you have that much success in your craft, you know, you're reluctant to change. You become a little selfish because you're used to the accolades, all the points you score, you know, all the the MVP conversations you're in. and to me, at, at least when, when we're talking about basketball and we talk about leadership on the court, you know, LeBron James, he's a great example. He can go out there and get 50 points if he really wants. But, you know, when I look at him and his leadership, he'll say, you know what? I'm not going to score as many points today. Maybe I'll score 20, but I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get 10 assists. I'm going to get my guys involved. I'm going to get them easy buckets, you know, and lead, make sure they feel comfortable in these positions. That way, when we make it to the playoffs or you know, we, we come into some adversity. I can trust my guys. I've put them in these situations before and I've led them to this point. Now let's see what we can do versus James Harden. He's to me, he's a little more self selfish because he's so used to those accolades that he receives. And for him, I think that's how he views his success is he's got to score all these points. He's got to, you know, get these accolades. He's got to be in the MVP conversations and to me that, that took a hit on his leadership because he became more I, I, I versus the team. You know, what, what are your thoughts with that? I
1: mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say I a just going to say I 100 percent agree with you because I think I would be beating a dead horse and pretty much repeating everything you said. You said it as well as anybody could. So I'm I mean, yeah. you, you did. I mean, I'm just gonna say, dude, I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, and, yeah, and i'm gonna and i'm gonna leave it at that actually
0: yeah i mean we'll have to see if if they pull the trigger this season or how soon and what what kind of deal they'll be able to get to him if they if they do but you know i i wouldn't rush into a a bad deal
1: i agree we're gonna switch now to the nfl After a rocky performance on Sunday, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz was replaced by rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts with half of the third quarter to go. Eagles head coach Doug Pearson stated after the game that the change was made because the team, quote-unquote, needed a spark, something to go our way. Jalen Hurts is slated to start this coming week. So, George... Is Jalen Hurts the long-term solution for the Eagles?
0: Uh, Drew, so I don't, I don't know if you remember what I mentioned in, you know, the previous segment when we talked about if they should bench Wentz. And, you know, obviously now we know that they are. But I mentioned that, you know, it, it seemed like the team didn't really want to play for him. They didn't look like they were giving it their all. They weren't really rally behind Wentz, you know. And I mentioned how that was the case back when they had Nick Foles on the team and how, you know, there was – and now that he has been benched by Jalen Hurts, there have been some reports that the locker room doesn't really like his know-it-all attitude. So they feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, comes across like he knows everything. You can't tell him anything because he knows everything. Mm-hmm. And that that's rubbing the team the wrong way from the reports that I've heard. So – You know, and then everyone is saying how Jalen Hurts gave a team that spark, like you just said, the coach said it, and how the team was uh, able to rally behind him in their last game, even though they got the loss. So moving forward, I think this is a huge issue, you know, especially considering that they gave Carson Wentz that huge contract and all these reports keep coming out how the team, they don't rally behind him. So to me, this is a bigger issue than his actual play on the field, because We've seen people have, you know, a bad year or a slump. And, you know, sometimes that's because there's a bad offensive line. They don't have res- or weapons. They don't have a good defense. So we've seen this before. And we've seen players be able to bounce back once they get the proper pieces or maybe the proper coaching staff. But to me, if, if the locker room and the other players can't, you know, get behind you and they don't like your attitude – To me, that screams like a way bigger issue that's going to be harder to fix. So, you know, for sure, I think this season, Jalen Hurts may be the answer. And moving forward, this is very concerning to me. Again, I'm not even taking the football like on the field, you know, to that extent that I know some people are, because to me, some of that is fixable. You know, no one's going to question that he's got a bad offensive line. Um, They they could have went out there drafted a DK Metcalf or moved up for a CD Lamp like they really could have helped Carson Wentz, you know. So and there's other ways, you know. There's more drafts coming up. There's trades you could do, but if players don't like to play behind Carson Wentz, to me that that's a bigger issue. And Jalen Hurts may have to be the the answer moving forward. What are your thoughts with the Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz going on?
1: Yeah, to go off of a couple points you mentioned, you know, you talked about. Uh, they could have drafted, you know, They you said they could have drafted um, some players to help him. And, you know, clearly that would, you know, clearly that could have helped them out a lot this season, a lot more at least, you know, if they, if they, instead of getting Jalen, uh, um, Jalen Rager, I think his name is, um, the wide receiver, I mean, that just, I mean, he he's, he's kind of been an anomaly that just goes, we can't even remember his name, you know. I can't. I don't know if you can. but
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, I, I knew who they had, um, just because fantasy purposes. I, I was thinking about him in the draft, but I, I obviously steered away. But they also could have got that um, receiver from Minnesota, Jefferson, Justin, and th- yeah, they Justin skipped and on him.
1: And they skipped on him. And you know, a lot of the reports were, why would the? Because this was, of course, you know, the first. This was the first round of the draft. You know what I mean? So. You know, the first round is obviously a three-hour segment, the first day of the draft, and, you know, obviously the second round, which is when Jalen Hurts was drafted, uh, is is in the second day. So, you know, the biggest question marks for the Eagles on the first day was, why would you go after Jalen Rager, uh, a wide receiver that, you know, many had projected to be a second round or even third round wide receiver? And they said, why would you go after a Jalen Rager when you had, like, a Justin Jefferson on the board? And, of course, you know, as of right now, Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert are both, you know, fighting for that rookie of the year spot. So it's, you know, it is it is one of those things where they took a look at, they took a hard look at that and, you know, questioned like why would the Eagles go with, you know, Rager instead of Jefferson? And then of course the second day they go out and they get Jalen Hurts. And so now, you know, the question marks are really starting to, you know, come around with the, you know, the Eagles drafting, what's up with it? Why are they, you know, why did they go the route that they went? And so, I I mean, I definitely agree that they could have definitely helped Carson Wentz a little bit more with that draft and they didn't. In fact, they, you know, they hurt him more than helped getting a, getting a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is no, obviously he wasn't no scrub. He was a great quarterback in college. So, but let me preface the idea that both of these quarterbacks are solid quarterbacks. They have different play styles and I believe they actually will both be successful in the NFL. But to answer the question, I'm not sure if Jalen hurts is the long-term solution, but if I was Doug Peterson, I definitely would have started Jalen hurts as well, or I'm sorry. I definitely would have uh, benched Carson Wentz for Jalen hurts as well. Doug Peterson is he's on the hot seat. So continuing to start Carson Wentz would have sealed his fate for sure. He needed to start Jalen hurts to prove that. He isn't the one that's at fault for the position that the team is in. If Jalen Hurts does do well, then, you know, Peterson can say that Wentz just wasn't the answer, which would, you know, help him keep his job. However, if Hurts doesn't do well, then I believe Peterson is most definitely going to be out. I definitely think he's going to be fired. He's taking a gamble in my opinion, but when you think about it, he's he's got nothing to lose because if he continued playing Carson Wentz, I think he would have been gone for sure. So he, has nothing, he had nothing to lose and everything to gain from making this move, which is why I think the move was made. I absolutely think this was a necessary move for him, considering his position. But to talk about Jalen Hurts, about a week or two ago, you're right, we did discuss whether it was time to move to, move to Hurts, and I said it wasn't because you would be putting this poor kid in a terrible situation for his first experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL. This offensive line, they can't pass protect, they can't run block, they're just not performing well as an offensive line. And you know, I'm George, you know I'm a guy that likes stats. So I'm gonna ask you oh, something.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna ask you something, George. Which do you prefer? QBR or passer rating?
0: Ooh. Um you know normally I when I when I am looking at I lean a little more towards QBR personally.
1: Okay, so the QBRs were 34.3 and 37.2 for both Carson Wentz and uh and Jalen Hurts that game. Jalen Hurts having the 34.3 and Carson Wentz having the 37.2. So their QBRs weren't much different from each other. Now let's look at their passer ratings actually because I know you I know this one isn't your, you know, if you had to choose you would choose QBR, but just to just to show you how close I think these quarterbacks played, Jalen Hurts had a 67.7 while Carson Wentz had a 57.4. So, I mean, they were playing so close that, you know, one of them had a better stat in QBR while the other had a better stat in passer rating. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it's very hard to just differentiate and say that one did better than the other. So with that in mind, you know, I, two questions come to my mind. First question is now that we know, that Jalen Hurts will be the starter this Sunday. How do you think he's going to do against that Saints defense?
0: Yeah, that's going to be a great test because, you know, it it is the Saints, and they're they're looking like one of the top teams over there in the NFC. So that's definitely going to be a test, and it's going to be a test. You know, they got a solid defense there, and I know you're bringing up the stats from uh, that last game, and, you know, I I don't think it's completely fair to, like, hold him – to those like because he didn't get a chance to you know obviously practice with the starters he didn't know he was gonna you know start or take over that game so I think this Saints game will be a better you know test and something to actually um, like compare the two quarterbacks on you know so definitely looking at this game to see what he can do you know and see if he could you know because you did mention how close they were but in all honesty I mean they're both bad you know, a 34 and a 37 QBR, when the scale goes to 100, it's still not good. Even if one was better than the other, they, they're they both still bad. So I think, you know, the Saints game will be a better way to actually judge his performance, knowing that he had a, f- a full week and practice with the starters and game plan. So definitely going to keep an eye out for that Saints game.
1: I so... The Saints, they've been on fire defensively lately. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but they've been getting multiple sacks every game for the last, um, you know, for the last like three or four games. They've really been stepping up ever since Drew Brees has gone down with an injury. And so they, you know, they're, I think they're licking their chops at this game. Honestly, I really think they, they are because Keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, this is an offensive line that has not been performing well at all. And you know, if you're a team that you know that you've been getting multiple sacks the past few games, you guys are playing really well defensively, and you're going up against an offensive line like that. I mean, if I was if I was a D lineman or a linebacker, I'd be licking my chops if it was me. And especially considering it's a rookie quarterback that you know that's going to be behind center, I don't know, George. I, it's that's that's probably going to be the toughest game that Jalen Hurts ever plays in his career.
0: Uh, uh, For sure, at least to this point, you know, we're not going to know for his entire career yet, but yeah, it's going to be a tough, you know, task for him. And, you know, I I did also mention that a while back when the um, Drew Brees did get hurt. And I mentioned how, when they had Teddy Bridgewater, how uh, coach Payton has that defense step up, they rush the quarterback more than they do when they have Drew Brees. So, you know, like you said, they're going to be licking their chops, you know, looking forward to this game. But I would, you know, advise, you know, don't don't just sleep on them because you think it's an easy matchup. We've seen teams come out and, you know, they, they think they they're going to get that automatic win and then they get punched in the mouth. So I wouldn't go into this matchup thinking it's a locked up win. But, you know, the, the way it's looking, you, you are right. But
1: yeah, I. I agree with you. You know, I definitely wouldn't take the Eagles team because you know the Eagles. The Eagles haven't been playing too poorly either defensively. So they, I think they've been. I think they've actually been stepping it up as of recently too. Not as much as the Saints defense, but I mean, you know, they've been stepping it up defensively as well. So it, it's not necessarily a. It's not necessarily me saying that it's going to be an easy win for the Saints, but it's more so me saying this might be a long game for Jalen Hurts. Is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing I, I would probably put in account too is, you know, because it is Taysom Hill, so the, he's been playing for a few weeks now, so there's a little bit more film, and like you said, you know, Doug Peterson, he's, he's on that hot seat right now, so this is, you know, a time for him to show how good his coaching is now that there is more film on Taysom Hill, and see if there is a way that they can stop him, because in some of those games, you know, he, he would run more than throw. So if if they could find a way to, you know, limit his rushing ability and force him to throw the ball, then, you know, maybe that goes into their favor and we'll see a, a surprising outcome come out of that. So definitely Doug Peterson, he's on the hot seat, but this is also a great chance to prove that, you know, you're a, you're a good coach because now you have a few weeks, you know, film on Taysom Hill and we've seen he he likes to run. So I would try to force him to throw, see if you can make him make mistakes out there, and try to win that football game.
1: Mm. One more question for you, George. If Carson Wentz has played his last down in an Eagles jersey, where do you see him getting traded to if he gets traded next year? And keep in mind, too, he's got one of the most expensive contracts in the NFL.
0: Yeah, so... Man, I, I, I wish Joe was on this podcast with us today because the team I'm going to say, which I, I've been thinking about, you know, ever I since they actually, this is I, a good <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a great fit. I, I don't know how it would work as far as like, you know, trading and fitting it under the cap, but a team that I think would be a, a pretty good fit for him and, you know, a chance to basically get a second chance and re revive your career would be with the Colts. 100%. I think the Colts. You know, they got one of the best offensive lines in football. They got some weapons there. They got that young running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, they they look good. So I think, you know, because Phillip Rivers, I think, I think he's just there for this year, if I'm right. So you could bring in a Carson Wentz and, you know, have him. If he could be anywhere near his former MVP caliber self that he showed that he could do for a season, then that could be a good landing spot for him if he's not with the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And to talk to you about that situation, well, I don't know how the trade would work out, but I will say this. Um, Phillip Rivers, his contract is actually on par uh, as far as like year by year goes. His Because con- uh, Rivers was only signed to a one-year deal, but his contract is actually on par with Carson Wentz's contract, at least for the course of like this year. So as far as cap space goes, they wouldn't be losing out by by picking up Carson Wentz. So it's kind of like a good scenario for the Colts. If they're thinking like, well, we already have the same amount of cap space with this, you know, we would have the same amount of cap space with this guy. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where they might take that into consideration. And also George, I don't know if you know this, but the, the head coach of the Colts is Frank Wright. And when, Carson Wentz was at his best was in 2017 when Frank Wright was his offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I didn't know that. So that's that's what makes it a little bit more uh, juicy.
1: 100%. I mean, you know, obviously, this is something that Indianapolis will have to think about. But um, definitely, you know, if I was if I was the Eagles, and I was thinking, yeah, it would be a good idea to consider a trade, you know, that's definitely a destination that I would consider. For sure. Keeping in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills played in the second primetime Monday Night Football game versus the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers would score first, but the Bills then scored 17 unanswered points to make it a 17-7 lead. The two teams would trade blow after blow, leading to a Bills victory 34-24. So, George, how impressive were the Buffalo Bills in their win against the San Francisco 49ers?
0: That was a very impressive game on that Monday night against the 49ers. And there are many people that, you know, considered this to be a challenge for them and a real test just because the 49ers do have a good solid defense. I know they got, you know, a ton of injuries and, you know, people out, but they they still have a solid defense. And Josh Allen, he was able to go out there. He threw for 375 yards. He had an 80% completion rate. He had his four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Cole Beasley was looking nice. Stefan Diggs was looking nice. You know, this team is really showing, you know, that they can be good. You know, they, they've they been a little up and down, you know, this season. They started really hot in the beginning. Then in the middle, they kind of dipped back down. And now we see them, you know, peaking again. And this is the right time to peak. You know, going into the playoffs, looks like they might have the the AFC East on lock right now. I know the Dolphins are just behind by a game, but yeah, the bills looked really good this game. And, you know, I'm impressed with the progression that Josh Allen is making year to year and game by game. Uh, How impressive did you think this was drew?
1: The bills were very impressive offensively, mostly in the passing game. And, you know, they've been this way all year. They're a top ten offense, but they're actually a bottom ten rushing team. So, George, how do you think a team becomes a top ten offense with a bottom ten rushing team?
0: Got to got to be able to move that ball, through on the field, and you know that that is my one concern is running the ball that I see from the this Bills team.
1: Yeah, agreed. But when you know you you have to be a top ten offense for a reason if you're a bottom ten rushing team, and that's because you rank third in total passing yards. Only the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans rank higher than the Bills in passing yards. Their defense isn't the juggernaut that we expected them to be, but they've gotten the job done. Why? Because they can get turnovers, man. They got 19 total takeaways, which isn't far off from Pittsburgh, who ranks number one in takeaways with 23. And George, they got a solid special teams unit as well. They rank fourth in return yards on kickoffs at 26.6 yards per return. And third in punt return yards at 12.0. That's a big deal when you're, you know, when you're top five in returning the football, you set your team up really well offensively in good field position.
0: Oh yeah, I, I think you mentioned this a uh, a while back. If I'm not uh, mistaken, I think you said th- this is one of those teams where it's like they might not do, you know, everything spectacular, but or. Or one thing spectacular, but they're one of the most well-rounded teams, you know. 100%. But like on on all three assets, you know, you're talking offense, defense, special teams. That they're very solid in. I think this could be a scary team, possibly when in the right matchup in the playoffs.
1: Hundred percent agree with you, George. Because uh, which is exactly what I had written here. You know, I actually had word for word written here. This team is one of the more well-rounded teams in the league. So, (laughs) I mean, I
0: I gotta stop looking at your notes, huh? You always accuse me of like you're always looking at my notes. I need you to stop, man.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I'm gonna talk to you, George K. Because listen up, as the playoff picture right now, as it stands, all right. If the season ended today, then what we would have is we would have the Buffalo Bills playing the Miami Dolphins actually in the playoffs. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you this because I'm going to ask you this because uh, the reason why I'm asking you is because, you know, this in my opinion, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. If they win that, then, you know, who would you have win? Who would you have winning that game right now?
0: Between the bills and the dolphins. Mm-hmm. I definitely think the the bills are going to win that.
1: All right. And assuming we're, you know, obviously anything can happen, but we're going to assume, all right, that the better teams, you know, the higher seeded teams win. All right. Mm -hmm. Well then your, your very next game would be against the Kansas city chiefs. So how do you, how do you feel about that one?
0: Ooh, that, that right there, that, that's obviously a tough matchup, you know, you know how i feel about patrick mahomes i think he's the best quarterback in the game right now so that's definitely a tough matchup and you know I, i'm not going to say they don't have a chance to win that game but they definitely got to be firing on all cylinders to pull an, an upset like that
1: mm. i think that it's one of those things too where i think the bills definitely yeah, like uh how do i word it I think like just like the Tennessee Titans did last year, I think the Bills uh you know, if they can catch fire, especially like moving into the playoffs, I think it'll help their chances for sure against the Kansas City Chiefs. The one thing that the Chiefs did really well though was they, you know, they somehow convinced the Tennessee Titans to stop giving Derrick Henry the ball and, you know, that that just obviously did not work out well for the Tennessee Titans. So, The one thing that the Buffalo's got to do is, you know, they got to keep playing to their strengths. In my opinion, I think that, you know, I think that the Buffalo Bills can definitely get a nice hot start versus the Chiefs because we've seen multiple times that the Chiefs, for some reason, they start off slower in the playoffs. You know, we saw that, we saw that in their game versus the Texans, we saw that in their game versus the Titans, and we saw that in the Super Bowl versus the Niners last year. So, you know, they're they're, you know, in my opinion, I think they're very likely to start off slow. So if the Buffalo Bills do get that hot start, I think they just need to, you know, keep keep it keep it strong in the passing game and keep their foots on uh, the gas pedal for sure.
0: Yeah, we've seen Josh Allen when he gets hot, he's hot, hundred percent. And that that would be, you know, I, I think a good test because what I really want to see out of this this Bills, I, I want to see them, you know, because right now when I look at Josh Allen, he's improved every season. So his rookie season, he had a 53% completion rate. And then last season it bumped up to 59%. And then this year he's throwing at 70% completion rate. So I'm seeing him make the proper, you know, leaps year to year. So the next leap is, can you do it in the playoffs? You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing, you could do it in the regular season. You, you know, you're, leading this team. They could easily be 10-2 and two if it's not for a Hail Mary from uh, Hopkins, you know. <laughs> um, so we, we see them taking the leaps every year. Now the the true test is can you do it in the playoffs? And th- mm. that's what I want to see. And, you know, you brought up, you know, that matchup with the Dolphins. You know a matchup I would love to see the Bills play in that first round? What? I would love to see them play the Browns because that, that's a possibility right there f- for them to – meet up in that first round i I think that'd be a good matchup especially too just because baker and josh allen were in that same draft class so i think that would be a good little matchup right there
1: that would definitely be interesting to see because uh i'm not saying that you know i'm not saying that baker would light it up but i think that baker would actually play you know well enough to be a threat and that's what you know that that would be a definite test for Josh Allen for sure.
0: Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, both those teams are kind of like in the same position in a sense where, you know, it, it was a while before they're good, you know, like the bills, they had their playoff drop for a while. We know what the Browns were now. They seem to be, you know, back in the playoffs and making a little bit of noise. So I think both of those meeting up and then especially just because they were in the, in the same draft class, I think would be, an interesting matchup in the playoffs.
1: And to keep this in mind, the the Browns still have yet to play against the Ravens and the Steelers for their second, because they're in the same division as the Ravens and the Steelers. So they still have not yet played their second matchup games versus the Ravens and the Steelers. So, yeah. you know, you can easily see, you know, maybe another loss or two considering that they also play, you know, the New York giants who they're not looking too bad, honestly, either the New York giants, they're looking pretty good. So, mm-hmm.
0: And that That's who I had coming out, remember, when you asked me. <laughs> so they're looking pretty yep. nice right now.
1: They are. But you know who else is looking pretty nice? The Washington football team. So we're going to switch it up to a different topic. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in the first primetime Monday Night Football game versus that Washington football team. The Steelers, after starting out hot with a 14-3 lead at halftime, would then allow the football team, to go on a 20-3 run to win the game 23-17 to for Pittsburgh's first loss of the season. So, George, should there be concern for the Steelers after their loss against the Washington football team?
0: You know what, man? I- I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say I think there there should be small concern for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. So we've seen them now have two bad games. You know, that they had a pretty bad game against the Ravens. They won. It was an ugly win, but they won. And then we saw them, you know, get their first loss to the Washington football team. And I know it's just one loss on the resume, I'm not trying to overreact, but you know, in these last few games, they're they're trending downward. And, you know, and I, I looked at their their stats for, you know, the season, and you know, the one thing that was standing out to me when I, when I looked at it was in the first six weeks of the season, they were running the ball and they're rushing for well over a hundred yards a game. And now in these last few games, they're running a lot less. They have a bunch of like 40 yard rushing games. So they're, they're running the ball less. And, you know, some of this is big Ben's fault. You know, he mentioned in the post game that You know, in some of those RPOs, he's deciding to throw the ball versus hand off the ball. And, you know, he's also, they're saying that he's changing the plays at the line from run plays to throw plays. And, you know, I I know this offense has really good receivers, but the one thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers is when they're good, they got that solid defense and a solid run game because we've seen Big Ben, you know, as as good and as, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback one day, but we've seen him. You know, he's one of those guys who likes to sling it and we see him make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was one of my concerns when we talked about him on uh, one of our last segments is that he does make mistakes sometimes in those crucial games, which is what he did against Washington. He threw, you know, that interception. So, you know, if if they're moving away from the run like they are, then, you know, I, I think that is a little concerning because this team seems to be a lot better. When you know they're well balanced between the run and throwing, because that that puts the defenses you know on that weird spot. Like, okay, what are you doing? Are you gonna run? Are you gonna throw? And then now that they're leaning more throwing, you know that that's easier to prepare for, in my opinion.
1: It makes them one dimensional. Yeah, I am in agreement with you. I think that they're. I think that we shouldn't overreact. First of all, let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, This team, the football team, is a team on the rise, mostly because of their coach, Ron Rivera. Man, I kept saying it during the offseason. I don't know if you remember, George, but I kept saying, man, the Jaguars need to fire Doug Marone. They need to fire their head coach so that they can get Riverboat Ron Rivera. Because yeah, I remember that.
0: <laughs>
1: because I love what this guy brings to the table. He is a competitor, and nothing can stop him from committing himself to his team. Even cancer is trying to do that, and it can't take him away from the football team, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no stopping him.
1: Nothing's stopping him. So... You know, Ron Rivera. I've always liked him. He's, you know, he's a strong reason for their rise. Alex Smith is looking better and better every week. Uh, he's, I think, he's on pace to be comeback player of the year. So, oh yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, um, it's weird that it's weird that um, I, I, because I, you know, I, for some reason, I want to think that Big Ben should be that, but um, I don't necessarily know the rules for comeback player i think it must be that you you had to be away the entire season but not sure but anyways uh you know alex smith he did exactly what he needed to do this game you know he you know he managed the game well committed no turnovers and that defense oh boy george that defense can play they are the number one pass defense which fared well against the steelers because as you mentioned they can't run the ball well so what what can they do pass the ball (laughs) they're a bottom five they're a bottom five rushing team uh the Steelers are so you know it's it's very easy to stop the Steelers from rushing the football and Washington did a great job at that the Steelers got a young got a good young core of receivers and you know of course they got a Hall of Fame quarterback passing the ball to them but the football team are the number one pass defense for a reason and they made the adjustments that they needed at halftime and went on a solid run to win this game stopping Ben Roethlisberger And those receivers from, you know, getting any sort of good momentum to, you know, put this game away and allowed them to come, allowed the Washington football team's offense to come back. But honestly, I'm not worried for the Steelers because of two things. One, I, you know, when I look at this, when I look at both these teams, I thought this was actually a bad matchup for the Steelers. I basically explained it already, but Washington had the right defense to stop this Steelers offense. Cause you know, like I mentioned, you know, they're the number one pass defense and all Steelers could really do was pass the ball. And it's not like they were doing that at a top 10 rate, you know, they were, that's just the only thing they could do. So that's the only thing that they were doing, you know? Yeah. And number two, I think this was a good loss. And when I say a good loss, I mean the kind of loss that fuels a team. This is one of those losses that slaps you across the face and makes you come back to reality. This was the perfect time for a loss like that, too. The Steelers were on a high all season from being undefeated. Now they got four games left to kick themselves to the next gear and be the team we know they can be. Mike Tomlin, he's going to use this loss to shake some sense into his team, make them come back to reality in order to play better and come back stronger. And that's why I think there shouldn't be concern. I don't think we should overreact just yet. But I will say, if this team continues the the unacceptable in the words of Mike Tomlin play that they've been doing the next game, then definitely there should be some concern.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. That's why I said I had a slight concern. I think they will be fine. Definitely in the regular season. And, um, you know, I'll piggyback real quick on how you said it was maybe a good loss. That was one of my concerns, you know, when they were undefeated where I was like, will the pressure of being undefeated, you know, be their demise in the playoffs. So now that they got that one loss on their resume, maybe it does, you know, take that pressure off them, you know, and then going into the playoffs, maybe you know they they play better because that pressure's off their shoulders. So who knows? You know, this very well could be a good loss. But one other thing that I, I want to get your opinion on on why I am concerned, they're leading the league in drop passes, so they have thirty one drop passes this season. Mm. So they're le- they're leaving a lot of plays out there on the field and. You know that that's not going to cut it, especially in the playoffs. If you're going away from the run, and then you're leaning more pass heavy, and you're leaving all of those plays on there because of the drop passes.
1: Yeah, and to piggyback off, that, they had seven drop passes this game, George <laughs> alone, just in this yeah. game. I think that um, I think that that's the most since I want to say it, I want to say it was the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders back in uh, I want to say it was 2017. So I mean obviously that's a big deal you know you've had three years of many many games and you know you dropped a lot of passes and you know we're the the team to drop the most passes since then so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh, i'm gonna try again to you know channel my inner joe you know i'm I'm really missing him today (laughs) 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 you know i i feel like if he was here today talking about this topic i i think you know, the one point he would bring up is mm. how COVID has been screwing the Steelers. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that they, they played, you know, that on week 12, they played Wednesday. And then the following week on week 13, they played Tuesday. Or no, not Tuesday. Sorry. Um, Monday. So they went from Wednesday to Monday. So they had a really short week. You know, had basically played two games in the same week. So maybe that had something to do with, you know, this performance on top of the Ravens performances, because those were their two sloppiest games and, you know, it had to do with, you know, the weird season we're having due to COVID. So again, I'm trying to do my best to, you know, unlock my inner Joe for today's podcast. I I feel like that's something he would definitely mention and could have played a part in it.
1: 100%. And, you know, if you weren't going to mention it, I was. So, uh, Pay, we'll pay our respects to Joe for not being <laughs> at this podcast by, you know, discussing, I think, the points that he was going to make. Because for sure, you know, he'd be talking about how the fact that, you know, the NFL were willing to postpone, you know, whatever game they wanted for the Ravens when, you know, the Ravens were going through their concerns. But, uh, you know, of course, then they don't do it. Then they don't postpone the Broncos game where the Broncos had zero quarterbacks on their roster. <laughs> and then, Crazy. And then, uh, and then the Steelers game, man. Because, like, uh, let's keep in mind the Thanksgiving game for them versus the Ravens. You know that was postponed, and that was postponed. How many times was that game postponed? It was, it was moved to Sunday, then it was moved to Monday, then to Tuesday, then to Wednesday. So, I mean, thinking about that, and then thinking about the fact that you know they played that Wednesday game, and then they played Monday night. Like, that's that's got to take a toll on the players. Mentally, because, you know, they're trying their best to prepare, but, you know, they're getting all these curveballs thrown at them, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault, but it's, you know, it's hard to adjust to that. It really is.
0: Yeah, I I agree.
1: Well, with that being said, that's going to be all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly contested, uh, Contested (laughs) We're going to post podcasts Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly Highly contested. Highly contested.